Hey, are you ready to get in the Word today? Say yes. You know, I've told this story maybe once before. A couple Christmases ago, I was, um, I'm just going to repent for a second publicly, over and over again. A couple Christmases ago, um, we had had our family Christmas a couple days uh, prior to Christmas Day, and uh, my mother-in-law had given me $200, and uh, I was expecting my family to put a bunch of money together and get me a laptop, because I'd been praying for a laptop, and, uh, and they didn't do it, so I was a little discouraged. And uh, I was at Walmart uh, Christmas Eve getting gas, and, uh, and this guy uh, says, hey, excuse me, sir, I don't mean to uh, scare you, and I'm looking over at him. And Now, you got to understand where I grew up. I grew up in the hood, so I know better than about what I'm about to tell you. And, uh, and he goes, listen, sir, um, um, I work for FedEx, and FedEx had the opportunity um, as employees to purchase uh, Apple products they're, they had uh, an overproduction of Apple products, and so we had the opportunity to purchase them a little cheaper than, than, than retail. Um, and I kind of, what I was doing, I was, I was doing that to make extra Christmas money and selling them on the side, eBay and things like that. He goes, and uh, actually, I'm here at Walmart because my niece, I didn't have her anything. I, I didn't have any cash left, and I just wanted to, I wanted to know if you, by any chance, were, have been looking for a new Apple laptop or iPad uh, because I have some stuff still in the box that I would pass on to you for really inexpensive. I just need to get rid of them. And, uh, and I just need, I need my cash back so that I can buy my niece uh, uh, um, something. Now, I normally would know better. But in this moment, I've been praying for a laptop. And I've been believing God. And so here's a guy at a gas station who pops his trunk and has in the boxes, still shrink-wrapped, all the stickers and everything these laptops, I said, how much are you selling them for? He goes, $200. I'll sell you this one right here for $200. It's still in the box, never been opened. And I'm feeling it. I'm looking at the box. I'm thinking, this is God. This is my moment in time to buy a $1,500 laptop for $200. I mean, God knew exactly what he needed me to have. And, uh, and so I said, man, I don't have the money on me right now. He said, well, listen, I'm going to run in here, and then my buddy and I are going to run over to Golden Chick. You want to meet me in the parking lot in a little bit? Go get your money and come meet me back. I said, yeah, that'd be awesome. So I'd start driving home to get my $200, and I had enough sense to go ahead and bring someone else into this whole fiasco. And so I called Pastor Jonathan. I said, hey, listen, I'm going to go buy um, these laptops out of the back of this guy's car. Uh, in the parking lot at Chick-fil-A, and so, uh, I'm sorry, Golden Chick, and I said, so I, just in case, though, in case they try to rob me or something, I need you to come and have um, your concealed to carry stuff uh, with you and uh, just kind of park off to the side. They won't know you're with me, and if anything goes down, at least save me, okay? And he's like, Pastor Adam, it's Christmas Eve. I'm like, I know, bro, but you work for the church, which means you need to come help the pastor, okay? So... So he's like, all right, Pastor Adam, give me a second. So he loads up, and, uh, and he's texting me, all right, I'm in the parking lot. All right, all right, I'm coming around the corner. So I pull up, and there's the dudes, man. I get out, and, and I'm like, uh, I was like, now listen, are you sure this is all legit? He goes, man, I promise you, sir, I would not lie to you. I was like, okay, because you look trustworthy, but I don't know. I mean, I normally don't do stuff like this, but I feel like I've been praying. I'm a, I, I'm a pastor. Now, you know that. Oh, sorry, pastor. Yeah, okay. And he started getting a little nervous. And I was like, well, pastors make people nervous anyway. So I said, it's not stolen. He goes, no, nothing in this box is stolen. Okay, all right. Praise the Lord. And so I give him the $200. He, they jump in the car. They drive off. I got my box. And Pastor Jonathan waits till they drive off. And then he comes and gets in the car with me. We start opening there's no laptop in it. Um, there are phone books from, uh, from some local phone. <laughs> anyway, and I'm sitting there, and he's looking at me like, you just got robbed. And I'm like, 
those guys are driving off right now going, we got him. We got that pastor. And I'm sitting there, and I just realized I have been deceived. I have been lied to. I have been tricked, and I bought into it. I bought into it because of my own personal greed. Are you with me today? I'm so grateful that they didn't stab me. I'm so grateful they didn't shoot me and rob me and take my car. I was deceived in that moment. I knew better. I grew up in that kind of capacity. I don't know how they shrink-wrapped it and got all the stickers on it and all that kind of stuff the way they did it. It felt the right size, but when I opened the box, what I bought was not there. Are you with me today? Say yes. I've titled the teaching today, Deceived. Turn to somebody next to you and say, Deceived. Come on, say it again. Say, Deceived. To be deceived is to believe a lie. To, to be deceived is to believe a lie. See, if you knew it was a lie, you wouldn't believe it. That's why we get deceived. If I'd have known the guys were lying, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have bought into it. I wouldn't have acted on it. So the person who's deceived doesn't know they're deceived. When you're buying into a lie, you don't realize you bought into a lie. And Jesus prophesies about this very truth. I'm going to take moments throughout 2021... And I'm going to cover some of the end-time teachings that Jesus does and the Holy Scriptures do. I'm not going to do a big series right off, but here and there, I'm just going to point out to you, because I believe we have started into those birth pains. I believe we started into that time that the Scripture says towards the end of, uh, of time, towards the end of this old wicked world. And I believe that we started into it. And the Bible is really clear, more that, uh, that we won't know the date or the time. Jesus said that real clear. No man knows the time or the day that the Son of Man will return. But what we are clear on is how we should be living and preparing for the hardships that that season will bring. I believe we started into them. That's where I'm at as your pastor in my eschatology. I believe that we have started into the birth pain. So with that being said, I'm going to, throughout the year, I'm going to give you teaching pieces about end time stuff so that you can walk uprightly and you can stand strong. All right, are you with me? Say yes. So Matthew chapter 24, turn there as quickly as you can. Matthew 24 and verse 4. Now if you've forgotten your Bibles, that's okay because we'll put it on the screens for you. All those that are online with us, give me a little clap hands in the box that you're still with me so I know that you love me. All right, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 4. Jesus speaking and he's prophesying about these last days. They had come to him, his disciples, and said, how will we know that the end is coming? And Jesus says, well, let me just speak to it, because no man knows the time or the season, not even the Son of Man. Jesus said, I don't even know, nor the angels in heaven. Only the Father knows when he's going to bring the end to this whole world. And verse 4, he picks up and he says, watch out that no one deceives you. Everybody say, deceives you. Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ. And will what? Deceive. Say it with me. Say, deceive will deceive many. Who are they going to deceive? Believers. Believers are going to fall away. Believers are going to stop believing. Believers are going to have this moment where they don't even realize, but they chased after a lie because they've been deceived. In fact, if you read all throughout the New Testament, they're constantly warning the believers in the epistles, be careful. Be care There's so much deception out there. Be careful. Constantly we see the apostles doing that in the writings. It says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, and the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. We've been having that for years. Verse 9, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me, because they will literally say that it's a hate crime if you stand with the word and stand against what's popular. It will happen. It's happening now. And he says, and then you'll be hated because of me. Verse 10, and at that time, many, everybody say many. A few, some, a couple, 
Many, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. Did we not see that in 2020? And many false prophets will appear and, and do what? Deceive what? Many. Not a few, not a couple, many. This is a warning. Jesus gives a warning to his followers, gives a warning to the church, gives a warning to the Christians. He's prophetically speaking into our time. 2,000 years ago, he, he was seeing what was coming, and he was speaking to us that there will be many, many, many who get deceived. And again, what is deception? Deception is believing a lie. If you knew it was a lie, you wouldn't have believed it. If I'd, if I'd have known for a moment that that guy was lying to me and had worked his tail off, I mean, he, it was worth $200. The work that he went through to put those phone books in that box and shrink wrap it and put fake stickers on it was magnificent. He deserved $200. But I was deceived. I bought into a lie. I, and, and my greed pushed me towards that. My, my selfish ambition pushed me towards that. You say, how can people get deceived? Listen, it happens all the time. It will happen to us if we don't become deceived proof. And that's part of the message today is how to deceive proof you. But let's look at the life of the Apostle Paul who wrote most of your New Testament. The, the, if you will, one of the grandiose apostles that Jesus literally brought forth into life. And then the Apostle Paul, if you'll turn with me to the book of Acts in chapter 26, the Apostle Paul has had this moment where he has gotten radically saved. He has become, if you will, the senior apostle of his time. He is a theologian of theologians. He is fighting for the truth that God wants to save all the Gentiles and not just the Jews, which thank you, Jesus, because I don't see any full-blooded Jews in this room. So thank you, Apostle Paul, or we wouldn't be here. Come on, are you with me? Say yes. And so the Apostle Paul is in this moment where Jewish leaders hate him and have trumped up charges against him and have brought him in front of King Agrippa to put him in prison and to have him killed. Ultimately, the goal is for them to kill him. And he has this audience with King Agrippa. And in this moment, he begins to declare his storyline and what happened to him. And we see that he actually... He actually tells us a story of his deception, how what he had been prior to having an engagement with Jesus. Would you pick up with me in verse 9 of Acts chapter 26? He says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Verse 10, and that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished and tried to force them to blaspheme. Can you imagine? He's, he's reminiscent of what he had done. He put him. In, come on, have you ever seen those Dateline specials when those cops got that guy in the back room and they're just hammering, hammering, hammering until the guy goes, okay, I did it, just leave me alone. He says, that's what I did till I could get him to blaspheme. In my obsession, everybody say obsession. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. Verse 12, on one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. Verse 14, we all fell on the ground, and I heard a voice uh, saying to me in Aramaic, in my native tongue, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Verse 15, then I ask, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, 
whom you are persecuting. We see the Apostle Paul talking about his deception. He was so deceived that he hated Christians so bad that he was out killing them, having them put in prison, falsely accusing them, getting them to blaspheme. I mean, just wearing them out all through the night and into the next day without sleep, just badgering and badgering till he got them to say something that he could use against them and then casting his vote to have them killed. He had Christians killed. He had them put in prison. He tracked them down. He hunted them down like a good, vicious Judaizer, if you will. And in the midst of all of that, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, what are you doing? And he's like, who is this who's speaking out of the heavens, who knocked me on my backside and is speaking to me in, a, in my native language? Who is this? And he says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And from that point forward, the apostle Paul says, I made a turn. Why? Because the first time I realized I had been deceived. I had been living, I had been living as, as wild and as passionately as I could in this direction, only to realize I was facing the wrong direction. I was chasing the wrong truth. I was after the wrong thing in my, and he tells it later in other passages, he talks about his pursuit to be the most popular of all of the Pharisees, to be the most powerful theologian, to be the most, the most uh, exalted out of all his peers. And he said that driving force to be better than ever. Everyone else caused him to miss the truth. I want you to know Jesus told us that there will be many who are deceived in the last days. Many who get deceived. And so it's with that that I would be a horrific pastor if I did not take time to deceive proof you. So that you and I do not get deceived. Because if the greatest of the greatest, I mean, this person has studied, the Apostle Paul knew the Torah backsides and upside. He knew all the prophets' teachings. He knew the Word of God better than anyone else his age and his time frame. He actually studied under Gamaliel, which is even to this day in Jewish, in Jewish culture, he is considered the greatest rabbi of all times. And Paul studied directly under him. He was, Gamaliel was his mentor. This guy had the, he was the best of the best. And he was the best of the best heading in the wrong direction. You and I can be easily deceived if we do not deceive-proof ourselves. I was easily deceived in that moment. I bought that computer box thinking that there was something wonderful in it, and when I opened it, I had, been, I had bought into a lie. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't do it. Come on, tell them, say, don't do it. So let me give you a couple thoughts today on how to deceive-proof yourself straight from the Word of God. You ready? Write this down. Deceive-proof. There you go. Write it down. I'm going to teach you how to do it. All right? Number one, the first way. And the first step in deceive-proofing yourself is you need to wrap yourself in humility. Wrap yourself in humility. Proverbs 11:2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes what? Comes wisdom. With humility comes wisdom. You'll be, if you'll walk in humility, it almost seems like an oxymoron, doesn't it? You would think, well, well, it's the simple. It's amazing how those of higher education, those in certain media positions will say about Christianity that they're just simple people. So they follow these. They don't know how to think for themselves. So they follow these lies that there's a God. I heard one guy say, you know what? <laughs> if there is a God, and one day I stand before him, this one brilliant English thinker, he said, and one day when I stand before him, I'm going to ask him, if you were God, then how come you could not kill Satan? And you can see, hear everyone in the crowd go, ooh, yeah, that's truth. Mm, actually, that's not truth. That's a lie. God can do all things and anything he wants Satan has rose up against God as one of his created beings 
And God has allowed his existence to an appointed day into which he will cast him into eternal fire and all those who have followed him. Well, I don't really understand why he did that exactly because you can't tell a 286 computer to actually handle one of the apps that we now have on our iPhones. You can't tell the created what it should, the created cannot tell the creator what it should be like. And so you say, well, that sounds so simple and so easy. It is. When you and I, the most brilliant thing you, cannot, you and I could ever do is humble ourselves and say, you know what? In my humility, God will give me wisdom because that's what the scripture teaches. He says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But humility comes with wisdom. I was so prideful that I could not see these guys were tricking me. They would never do that to me. I told them I'm a pastor. Surely they would never deceive a pastor. In pride, we fall. But in humility, we begin to deceive-proof ourselves. Why? Because we say, look, I don't have it all figured out, but I know the one who does. I don't know all things, but I know this Holy Scripture will give me the truth that I'm looking for. You and I must walk in humility. Think about, I think about some of the people I've served with and some of a particular leader that I served with that was so arrogant. He was so narcissistic that he could not see his blind spots and no one could help him with it because he was so arrogant. And I'm telling you, destroyed everything in his pride. It just destroyed everything, everything, his family, ministry, everything because of his pride. And his er- Let us walk in humility. Are you there? Say yes. Here's the second way to deceive-proof your life, and that is learn the voice of Jesus. Learn Jesus' voice. The book of John, chapter 10, Jesus goes into a whole dissertation about this. And in verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I will give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. No one can snatch my sheep out of my hand because they know my voice. Dropping down even in that same chapter, in verse, uh, in verse 5, he actually says, if they, uh, going up actually, in verse 5 he says in the same chapter, he goes, and if anyone comes to them, a stranger, someone trying to take them from me, when they hear His voice, his voice, they'll run away because they know my voice. Do you know the voice of God? Do you know his voice? Do you know that's him speaking to you? Are you close enough? I know Jamie's voice. In a crowd of millions of people, I could find Jamie if I could hear her voice. I I, I would find her because her voice is so distinct to me because it's my lover's voice. It's the voice of the one I love. Jesus' voice has to become so clear. He said, Pastor, I'm not really good at knowing God's voice. I don't know if that's him telling me to do this or not to do that. Friend, this is the journey you and I are on, that we become so close to him that we know his voice. If you don't know his voice, then you are defunct, and you need to get in step with the one that you love. And let me tell you a couple ways to help get to know his voice. You've got to quiet all the other voices. As you quiet all the other voices you'll be able to hear his voice a little clearer because he will not scream, yell, and try to slap you upside the head to get your attention. He woos you like a lover does. He, he, he sits on the sideline waiting for you to give his attention to him, your attention to him. He loves you, learning his voice, knowing that it's him who's speaking to you, quieting all the other, all his vo- all the other voices. Can I, can I tell you one way to know his voice, real simple, besides quieting all the other voices? The Bible says that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. It's speaking of Jesus. Everything God wanted to say, he said it in the Holy Scriptures through Jesus Christ. All you have to do is start reading the Holy Scriptures, start reading the word of God, and you'll start knowing his voice. 
when 2020, when people were all over the place and Christians were defunct with each other and fighting with each other, I was really clear on what God was saying because I didn't get discouraged. I didn't front. People may not have liked it. They may not have liked my response to certain things, but at the end of the day, I was reading through his holy scriptures. I knew exactly what he wanted me to do. I knew what he told me not to do, not to get involved in. And so as a result, we were able to just stay right down the line and look like Jesus and act like Jesus and love like Jesus and not get all frustrated about all the liars and all the manipulators out there not listening to this person's post and not getting all fired up with what this one said this one's insecurity and this one's anger and hatred didn't get involved in all that why because I was listening to the voice of my love to the one who loves me so I wasn't easily deceived I wasn't chasing after things I was like that end at the end of it you know I, I didn't I didn't give any false prophecies that I had to stand in front of everybody and go I missed it I'm sorry I said this was gonna happen and I didn't have to do all that why because I was listening to his voice my sheep know my voice he says, and another they will not follow. You want to deceive proof your life? Learn his voice. Know his voice. He said, Pastor, I'm not so good at that. Good. This is your, this is your task for 2021, to become a knower of the voice of the living God. Why? Because many will be deceived. Many false prophets and false, and even try to deceive the elect if at all possible. That's what the scripture says. Why? Because, they're, because of selfish ambition. Why do we get easily deceived? There's a whole list of things. Pride, all these different things. But number two, learn his voice. You still with me? Say yes. Yeah. Number three, write this one down. How to deceive proof your life. And that is keep it simple. Those of us who have been in Christianity a little bit longer, we call that the kiss method. Keep it simple. We called it saints. Another pastor called it stupid. Keep it simple. Saints are stupid. Keep it simple. It's real easy to keep it simple, Jesus said it like this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You may not know what that means, but in, in Jewish culture, the yoke was the teaching of the rabbi that you followed, his yoke. So he would, he would take the Torah and he would explain it. And he would say, you know, I know the other rabbis teach it this way, but I teach it this way. I actually believe it means this more. And you would take on his yoke. And so you would not do this on the Sabbath, even though others were doing that on the Sabbath because your rabbi taught not to do it that way. Because your rabbi translated it into meaning. This is, they took what was the, the, the words of God and the Torah and, and the law. And they said, now we've got we to translate that into modern times, into our time frame. So this is what this means in our time, how we deal with this. Because when that was spoken by God, they didn't have this. And so this is how we translate. That was called their yoke. And Jesus said, hey, come take my yoke. It's easy and it's light. It, it, keep it simple. I laugh all the time. You know, I, I, I work at a Bible school as well. And so I always get a kick out of all of these people who are theologians. I get a kick out of them. And they'll start using words. They create large words for simple truths so that they can confuse those. Come on, somebody. Instead of making it simple for them, they take these long words, and then you're sitting there feeling like, man, I don't know what they're talking about. Do you know what such and such an ism is? Like, I have no idea. No idea, but you got to act the part. So now we're all acting a part. We're all playing a game so that we can act like we know something when really everything that Jesus taught was simple. Everything was simple. It's easy. In fact, can I say it like this? If someone's teaching you something that's supposed to be from God and you can't understand it, then it's probably not from God. Because take on my yoke. It's easy and it's simple. In fact, in Colossians, the apostle Paul is dealing with this. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. If you don't find any life in it, he says, my yoke is easy and light. He said, I came to bring you life and life more abundantly. You're not stupid. Listen to me. Every one of you have the same brain that he created you to have. 
He wanted you. You're a brilliant. You may not have had the same uh, education, but who are you going to study? Are you going to study people's opinions about what opinions they're going to have and what opinions to do? That's what all the philosophy and all this stuff gets into. It's an opinion of someone's opinion of someone's opinion of something that God said. At the end of the day, you have the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwelling in you. You have the ability to rightly divide the word of truth. You have the ability to sit there and study that word and go, ah, woo, look at that. And it should be simple. Keep it simple. Don't let anybody confuse you and try to, try to take you. You notice here at Hill City, I don't, it, I, people tell me all the time, man, when you teach, when you preach, it's so simple, it's so easy, I can apply it to my life. Exactly, because that's what Jesus said it was supposed to be. And you get all this high thinking and all this kind of stuff. And the reason why is because that's the only way they can separate them from us is to create all of this high thinking that we don't understand because it won't lead to anything. They're deceiving themselves and trying to deceive us, and they don't even know it. Many false prophets and many false teachers will arise in those days and deceive even the elect, if at all possible. You and I are going to keep it simple. I'm going to keep it right down the middle of the road. 1 Timothy 4 and 1 says, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Listen, if it's too lofty for you to grasp, then it's not God. Because God will not make something too lofty for you to grasp. He won't do it. Why? Because he loves you. You're his son. You're his daughter. Do you try to confuse your third child? I don't like that one. Let's have these secret things that it doesn't un- he doesn't understand, all right? Okay, kids, let's do that. You wouldn't do that. The good father is who he is. If it's too lofty for you, then he's not in it. He brings it down to simple. In fact, after Jesus had died and resurrected and ascended to heaven, poured out his Holy Spirit on all of those that were there in the upper room, all of those guys went out and they started ministering, preaching. At one point, Peter and John was stirring up everybody in Jerusalem because the power they were walking in and so forth. And they grabbed Peter and John. They said, who are these uneducated, simple, everyday folks? They're turning the world upside down. You know what? We can tell they've been with Jesus. The people said about Jesus when he taught, he made it so simple. He put it in everyday language. That's why the scholars couldn't get it. He talked about seeds to farmers. He talked about sheep to those who had sheep herds. He talked about water, and he talked about these everyday pieces that the everyday do went, whoa. And the scholars are sitting there going, I wonder what he means about this. How can this be? And they couldn't get it. They couldn't get it. Why? Because he brought it to a simple place. Deception comes when you try to have loftiness and don't keep it simple. Are you still there? Say yes. Come on, we're going to deceive-proof ourselves. Here's the fourth thing I would teach you, and that is you have to release the offenses. Release the offenses. You want to keep from being deceived, you have to release the offenses. I'll give you a a reference to that in 2 Samuel chapter 13. uh, King David had a son named Absalom. He had another son named Amnon. He had multiple wives, and so these kids were born with the same dad but different moms because David had multiple wives. Amnon had this horrible demonic thing where he actually rapes Tamar, who is Absalom's full sister, both same mom and dad. Amnon is half-brother to to Tamar, and he rapes her. David doesn't do enough about it in Absalom's mindset, so guess what Absalom does? He waits and he plots. year later, he murders this man. Now, Absalom is walking in deception because he's offended that David didn't do anything, that his half-brother raped his sister. And that offense drives him 
into deception to the place that he commits murder. Friend, can I tell you, I've watched some people this last year so deceived by injustice that they actually acted improperly. Why? Because of the offense in their heart. And that offense will drive you. Can you imagine on that day? when I, I can't tell you how many people I've met over the years that have said this happened and that happened and it's not right. In fact, my dad and I were talking about his brother. His brother, um, his brother uh, was our worship leader at our church back in the day. And, uh, and, and, and good man, godly man. And his wife ended up getting cheated. His wife left him for the pastor. The pastor ran off with his wife. Wrong. The pastor was wrong. The pastor's not in ministry today. Ran off with my uncle's wife, my uncle, the worship leader. Papa and I were talking about him just the other day and how, you know, Pop went to visit him back in Louisiana a couple of weeks ago. And he's just sitting there and he's bitter. He doesn't love God anymore. And he's, and he's struggling with all types of addictions and things like that. Good man, godly man. But I'm going to tell you, and he's told us this multiple times over the years since this has all happened. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh, you Christians, uh-huh, yeah. See, that offense has now deceived him into being justified from walking away from God. Track with me. Are you tracking with me? And so he's sitting there, and there's going to be a moment on that day when he stands before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Jesus is going to begin the interview process and say, you know, I sure did love you. I'm so sorry that you walked away from me. And my uncle's going to go off and say, well, that preacher ran off with my wife, and I was a worship leader, and this and this and this and this. And Jesus is going to say, that's true, that's true, that's true. Now, what does that have to do with you and me? See, that offense has driven you away from me. It deceived you. It deceived you. That's why my scriptures told you, over and over and over again, forgive your brother. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Love your enemies. I told you what to do with it. Why? Not because I, I wanted to control your life, because I know the power of deception. I understand what will draw you away from me. I know the enemy's plan to deceive you and say, see, see, see. Did he really say that, Eve? Did he really say that? Oh, well, he did say that. Oh, he just said that, Eve and Adam in the garden. He just said that because he knows if you eat of it, you'll be just like him. See, he's jealous of you. He's scared of you. Oh, okay. I'll do it. And destroyed all of humanity because of that moment of understanding that we got from the enemy and we believed his lie. Friend, when you let offense live in your heart, you're not hurting that person, you're hurting you. You're becoming further and further and further away from your God. Many, many in that day, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. If there's anything that scared me all out of my mind this last year was to watch the church turn away from each other and betray and hate each other. I was like, it's happening, Jesus, just like you prophesied. Just like you prophesied. You said that they would turn on each other. Oh, God, let Hill City not walk in deception. Oh, God, may we be the men and women. Say, brother, you offended me. It hurt my heart, Matthew 18. And the Bible says to go to your brother when he does this. I love you, but you hurt my heart. And if they don't repent, you still love them. You still forgive them. You still work with them. And you still go overcome this thing. You and I cannot let offense destroy our relationship with the living God. Are you there? Say yes. Come on, we cannot. That's the plan of the enemy. Here's the fifth thing that I would teach you. Straight out of the scriptures, and that is do what the word says. James chapter 1 and verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James chapter 1, 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Look at that. Do what it says. 
You are deceiving yourself if you sit in church and listen to it all the time and you listen to it on your, on your audio book and you listen to it here, this preacher, and you, and you follow these famous people who've got little one-liners and you listen to it. That's great. He says, you're deceiving yourself if all you do is listen to it. Do what it says. So when he says, when he says, do not seek after the things of this world, but seek after the kingdom and all these other things will be added unto you. Do what it says. Don't just hear the word, but be a doer of the word. How many broken churchgoers do I know that tell me that they know this and, and they know that about the Bible and they know this and they know that and I'll and I just look at them, well then live it. You know all this, then live it. One of the things I love about Hill City is that we're living it. We may not be perfect, but we're taking what we learn in the scriptures and we're applying it to our life. We're actually learners. I don't want to be a hearer. I want to be a learner. In fact, the book James continues on, and he says, it's like a person who looks in the mirror and walks away and forgets what they look like. You're just hearing it, you're hearing it, you're hearing it. How many Christian school kids, how many grown up in church people do we know that know all about the Bible and all about the operations of the church, but they do not know God because they will not apply what he says in his holy scriptures to their daily life. It's foolishness. I remember playing basketball. Some of you guys were here when my, when my coach, who's my mentor, Don Green, came up on the screen and wished me happy birthday a couple weeks ago and such an amazing man of God. And he had played basketball at LSU and, and, uh, and he ended up being our coach. It was the coolest thing. And uh, cool black dude, I mean, just awesome. And he, he's a mentor to me. And I'll never forget, he mentored a little different than everybody else. He didn't just tell you what to do. He made you do it. I'll never forget that. And so we practiced for a month without touching a basketball. Basketball without a basketball. What is that practice? It was calisthenics, running back and forth, running back and forth, running back and forth, because he kept saying, we're going to be a fourth-quarter team. We're going to be a fourth-quarter team. We're going to have legs when everyone else has run out of steam. We're going to have legs. We're going to be able to shoot the ball and make shots in the fourth quarter. No matter how good they are, how many superstars they are, we're going to outrun them. We're going to be able to press them in the fourth quarter. And so you know what? I'm just going to talk about it. We're going to do it. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to build the muscle tone. He'd have us doing those. I, I forget what they call where you sit up against the wall. Oh, my goodness. Try that today when you go home. Do about 60 seconds, and then before you know it, your legs start shaking, and you just pass out. I mean, it's, we did push-ups. Like, basketball players don't do push-ups in those days. In the 80s, we're doing push-ups. We're getting all bulky and that kind of stuff. He said, I want you to have muscle tone. He didn't just talk about it. He didn't just say what his vision was. He instituted it, and we walked with him, and we did it, and that's why we won our championship. We went 33-3 and that year. Because why? Because we did what the coach told us to do. We'd stay afterwards shooting free throws. We did what he told us to do, and we became a team that was a winning team. Don't just hear the word, but do what it says. So what in the Holy Scriptures are you rebelling against? Loving your enemies? Praying for those who despitefully use you and abuse you? Forgiving those who've done you wrong? Well, I have a right, and do you? Do you? You're deceived. Put it into practice. Again, deceived people don't know they're deceived. I didn't know I was believing a lie. I had been tricked, if you will, deceived proof in ourselves. Here's the last one. Are you still with me? I know you love me. You got quiet, so I must be hurting your feelings. I'm going to keep going. Number six, and that is entrust other believers to speak into your life. I'm talking about being deceived proof. Entrust other believers to speak into your life. Proverbs 11:14, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. 
there's safety. Who has the right to speak into your life? Who? Sir, who has the right to speak into your life to say, hey, man, I'm just, I don't think that's right. And you go, okay, instead of putting a wall up. Who have you given that right to? Who? There's a lot of people that go to Hill City Church that I don't have the right to speak in their life. I know it, they know it, so I don't try. Well, how come you never told me that? Because you've never given me permission to do that. And the Bible says don't throw your pearl before swine. In other words, I'm not going to give you those truths and try to help you with that if you're going to resist and don't want it anyway. So who has the right to speak into your life? Sweet love, who has the right? Your husband doesn't. So who has the right to speak into your life? The sisters in the church, do they have the right to speak that? Because anytime they attempt that, you get defensive. Who has the right to speak into your life? In a multitude of counsel, there is safety. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. Deception happens when you've not entrusted your life to other people who can watch your back and have you. The reason why we're a small group-based church, the reason why we do small group life is not because we're trying to keep up with somebody else. We've been doing this, guys, before I ever knew any of you guys. This is how my mom and dad, we found the Holy Scriptures and we started living them out. Book of Acts said they met house to house and they met in the temple courts. We started getting all our neighbors saved. We started having small group life in our living room and we saw the power of what God intended the church to look like. And so that's what Hill City does, whether you like it or not. That's what we're going to do. That's who we are because I need you to have... Somebody in your life that you give permission to. You say, well, the group I'm in right now, that doesn't really work. Well, find you something and someone so that you're not making excuses and talking about I'm deceived on that day. I got tricked, Lord. I got tricked. And he's looking at you. Well, you know, I sent you a little crazy Cajun, Texas Cajun pastor to help you, but you didn't listen. Who can speak into your life? If you go through Grow Track, you'll learn something about me and about this church. As a non-denominational church that's not in a denomination, we have deceive proof me and your and protection for your family and for your investment in this body of believers. And what we have is multiple layers. First and foremost, for me, for me as the pastor. How how, how you deceive how, who you got, Pastor? Well, first and foremost, I got my wife. She can speak anything into me, and I go, yes, ma'am. You, yeah, okay. I may push back a little bit. Like, are you sure? And she has that look, and I know the look, and we've, we've agreed to it. If you give me the look, that means, all right, I missed it. I went down the wrong road. I'm seeing this wrong. Second in my life is my mom and dad, me, me, and pop. They're ministers or pastors here in this church. And if they say, hey, I'm concerned about this, I say, okay. The third is our lead team. And so were someone to accuse me of something, this is how it would go down in this church. They would go to their small group leader. The Bible says you cannot bring an accusation against a leader without two or three witnesses. So they would bring their two or three witnesses. Say, Pastor Adam stole my car. I saw him, you know, in a strip joint or something like that. He's a whatever. He cussed this guy out on the side of the road. I saw it. I think it's wrong. Things need to be dealt with. They go to their small group leader. Small group leader go to their network pastor. Network pastor bring it to the lead team. The lead team would evaluate it just like the network pastor. And then they would say, okay, this needs to be dealt with. And they'd bring me in. And if I didn't listen to them, they then... Here's the next level. We've got multiple layers on this thing. The next level is they will call my pastor. His name is Rick Bezet. If you go through Grow Track, you know his name. You know the name of his church. You know how to contact him through his website. My pastor, he's got a little small church, about 20,000 there in Arkansas. And my pastor, who's known me since I was you know, 16 years old, will come in. It's in our bylaws. In our bylaws, he will come in and he will deal with me. And he will either shut me down, but the goal would be to protect you and your family and this ministry. And to be remove me, bring someone else in, raise somebody else up, bring me through whatever discipleship or deliverance or whatever thing needs to happen. Cast the devil out of me, beat me, whoop me, whatever has to happen to be able to either reset me or remove me so that you guys can continue on. You are protected because I'm protected. Are you with me? 
So this is not something I'm telling you got to do, and I'm not going to go do it. I used to get all ticked off about that. I'd hear somebody talk about it all night. Well, who, who, who's, who can speak into your life? Like, you know, don't tell me to do it if you don't have that. Well, I have that. And so I have the right to tell you the same thing in the Holy Scriptures in a multitude of counsel. Who can speak to you? Who can say, hey, I think you're wrong in that? And you go, okay. Okay, I've given you the right to speak that into my life. Is there anyone? Ma'am, if you're married to a guy like that, that would scare me. Sir, if you're, if, if you're dating a gal who no one can speak in their life, I, I'd really check that thing. That's scary to me. Because you want to talk about easily deceived. You want to talk about being able to, because if you're the only one steering your life and you're the only one watching out for you, if you've ever driven a little vehicle that has blind spots, and most all of them have a blind spot somewhere, you need someone watching your blind spots. You need someone saying, hey, there is a truck right there in your blind spot. Do not switch lanes right now. Well, I don't see it in my mirrors. Yeah, but I'm sitting right here, <laughs> and they're right there. I can see them, and I'm in the car with you, and I've got your back. I'm watching after you. Many will be deceived. Jesus said in the last days, many will be deceived. I believe we're in those last days. I believe it started. I, I believe we're somewhere in that process, and we don't know the date, but it started, and many will be deceived. Not us, amen? I want to be deceived-proof. If you want to be deceived-proof, say yes. Amen.